Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third to tell you about the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. It's equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend. The Hyundai Santa Fe features available all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, plus available dual wireless charging pads, ensuring that you can take on any adventure. It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear plus my friends in the third row and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hello and welcome to Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host Lisa Roman, broadcaster and analyst for CBS Sports. Uh, on today's show, we're chatting about it all, the entire international window recap with an emphasis on the Arnold Clark Cup because you know we had to give some love to the Lionesses. They went out and they dominated and we got to talk about it. So... Make sure if you like what you hear to go ahead and leave us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. We're also on YouTube. So hit subscribe right at attacking thirds, YouTube, youtube.com slash attacking thirds. Make sure you uh, subscribe so that you get all of our exclusive content previews, the recaps, the interviews and everything else right here on a three Lisa, we are coming off of a little bit of a soccer hangover. <laughs> we said, you know what? We did two live episodes the day prior there was a bunch of soccer in between. And then we were like, you know what? We have to go again the following morning because there's still so much stuff for us to try to talk about. There's a lot to talk about. Even last night, we we recapped the She Believes Cup as that came to a close. Um, there was the Inter-Confederation play-in tournament that also happened. There's just like a million moving parts during this February window. And frankly, all of it was incredible football. And it was great to see. I was like hungry for it. I love that you called it a, a little bit of a soccer hangover. I'm feeling it a little bit this morning. I mean, it's you take the highs with the lows, right? Like yesterday was a day full of highs with um, so much soccer to watch, literally from morning to night, watching it, talking about it with you. It was fantastic. It was lovely. Today, definitely on a bit of a hangover, dealing with some car troubles, going on two weeks without a car. And that's not great. Really (laughs) struggling through, smiling through the pain on that one. Um, Shout out to Vinny, my main man in South Philly. Gotta laugh so you don't cry. (laughs) Gotta laugh so you don't cry. So come on, Vinny. Uh, my South Philly auto body man, like, yep. let's go. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> but, you know, we're happy to be here. Just letting people know a little bit about what's going on with Lisa right yeah. now. Why Look, I've we, been up all day. <laughs> we got to let them know. Like, if there's going to be a couple moments on this episode where we're like, it would trail off. It's You got to keep it real. It's because the soccer hangover is real. There was so much of it um, that, that took place over the course of the last seven to ten days, really. Uh, but... A lot of these 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 matches have ended. These tournaments have ended. The window is, is officially closed, um, but we're already looking ahead to the ne- to the next window. Uh, United States Women's National Team uh, lift the She Believes Cup for a sixth time, a fourth consecutive time, uh, and this following morning already announced uh, their next friendlies for the April window. We chatted a little bit about it in our recap of the She Believes Cup just last night. 
But now it's the official news released by U.S. Soccer. We had seen some reports coming out of Ireland and then confirmed uh, by some reporters stateside. But now it's official. There will be a two-game series against Ireland and the United States. going to take place on home soil. Uh, first match is going to take place uh, in Austin, Texas. And then they're going to go ahead and close out the pair of friendlies in St. Louis, Missouri. And I got to say, when I saw that, I was kind of excited about it because if, if this is just getting announced right off of that She Believes Cup win, there was a yeah. special moment during that game where we all thought, is this it? Is Becky Sarabran going to get a goal? <laughs> Didn't happen despite it being so close. But when I saw this announcement drop, which was literally minutes ago, my first reaction was like, St. Saint- Louis, Missouri. So the whole game plan is going to, be to make you know make sure that Becky Sauerbrunn gets a goal in her home in her hometown, right? Like that's what it's going to be. Get Becky Sauerbrunn a goal. I know she was close in the She Believes Cup in that final game against Brazil. Um, I think everyone collectively held their breath during that moment in the stadium, watching from home. Uh, yeah, I mean this is really exciting. We this is. Uh, a friendly situation, right? The United States only has so many opportunities to play against competition before heading into the World Cup. Uh, We saw that during She Believes. There was two friendlies in New Zealand in January that happened, and now this April window, and that's really it before they head to the World Cup, or or rather before the World Cup roster is named, because I'm sure once the roster is named, they might do a send-off series, play one or two more friendlies. But this is the final set of pair of games before Black Wondonofsky has to name his World Cup roster. And it's happening in April, as you mentioned, on the 8th and then on the 11th, so a Saturday and a Tuesday. Um, And it's against the Republic of Ireland. And I'm a little bit partial to the Republic of Ireland because I am Irish. I mean, I am. I like it there. I like to visit Ireland a lot. And they're debutantes in the World Cup. And I... Rep your set. You're rocking the green today. I am not even on purpose, (laughs) but I just, I'm really excited about this. Like I, I really am because this is an Irish side, an Irish Republic team that's debutantes in the world cup. So they have qualified for their first ever world cup and for them to play up against two-time world cup champions in the United States before heading to the world cup is the best competition that Ireland could ask for. I think honestly, this benefits Ireland more than it benefits the United States. Yeah. Um, Just in terms of competition and kind of how things are going to play out and and kind of work like that. Um, But for Ireland to qualify and everything, they finished second in UEFA qualifying group a, they were behind Sweden um, and they played Scotland, which is a big time rival in a world cup playoff game. Um, And there was one goal, but I mean, lots of back and forth for that team. I'm like, I'm excited for this. I'm really excited for Ireland and to kind of get a taste of what they're going to bring to the World Cup. And I think for Black Wanonofsky, it's going to be more of, and for the U.S., of like double checking almost. Like these are the right players. This is the right formation. This is what we're doing. I I mean, I'm with you 100%. I I think when you see an announcement like this, you start sort of running through the different scenarios. And and yeah, with you and that, this is going to be a set of friendlies that absolutely is beneficial for for Ireland. I do appreciate in the announcement, in the release, um, that they they specifically state that these are going these friendlies are going to be the last official friendlies mm-hmm. before Andonovsky finalizes the World Cup roster. So that's not to say that the World Cup not roster is going to be named immediately following these this pair of friendlies. Um, there's still going to probably be an extensive window of time where NWSL play uh, is taken into consideration, I would imagine. Um, and we probably get the announcement of a roster ahead of the, the June window that may come for, for the, the next set of friendlies after April. Um, but you know what? I, I still think that there are things within it you know, that the coaching staff and the players will want to utilize to their benefit in preparations for the World Cup. Yes, they're debutantes, and and a lot of times that comes with a certain amount of pressure as you go as one of those teams in the World Cup. I mean, they're one of eight teams who are going to make their first ever appearance in the World Cup. It's, you know, it's them, Philippines, I believe, Vietnam, um, Haiti, Panama, Portugal, right? We just saw these teams qualify through the Inter-Confederation playoff, but 
they're no, I don't want to say that they're like, you know, with that come people might think that there's an experience there. I mean, they're coming off no. of a pretty a pretty impressive 2022. I mean, yep. undefeated essentially. And, yep. and they've got some good results, uh, you know, early on, we're talking like almost a year ago with like a one, one draw against Sweden during the, the FIFA world cup qualifiers, but results against the Philippines, one, another team that's going to be debutants result wins again and wins against, uh, you know, Finland, Scotland was the big one that got mm-hmm. them through to the world cup. And they closed out their year with a four zero win against Morocco, another <laughs> team that's going to be, you know, debutants in, in the world cup. So on a, on a literal undefeated streak. Yes, they <laughs> are. You know, kind of, going into into 2023 um and just out of their recent window zero zero against china so like these are big games too right like i think when you look at the history of kind of who they have played against um honestly like the one one against sweden about a year ago in the april window last year in 2022 like that's a great score line um yeah they're not afraid of playing on the road. I'm like, I kind of like that about this Irish team. Like, I know they've, they're a bit gritty and for NWSL fans, I mean, um, for the biggest name that you would know, Denise O'Sullivan out of North Carolina, captain for the courage this year, captain for Republic of Ireland. Um, this is a, a midfielder that can just dominate a defensive midfielder. Yeah. That's, that's really all over the place. And, and, I really like watching Denise O'Sullivan play. So, like yeah. again, I'm a little bit partial to Ireland here. Yeah, yeah, no, she's. I mean, listen, she's a champion, right? In 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 this league, she's she's won time and time again. Um, I mean, for for folks who are, uh, you know, keep, who keep a closer eye on on maybe women's super league versus like NWSL, I mean, obviously going to be familiar with with Katie McCabb, and she's yep. someone who's been you know, with Arsenal for, you know, a while, obviously with the, with this, with this Ireland team as well. So I think there will, there will be some interesting things to come out of it. But. Yeah. I mean, also shout out, if we're giving shout outs to player here, I have to shout out Marissa Shiva, who is, she was like a discovery player for Washington yeah. spirit last year. She ends up signing a contract at the end of the year for Chris Ward last year. Um, she then in the off season signed another contract with Washington spirit. So she's in the NWSL. Um, I, I played with her growing up and played with her sister and her family and she recently got her citizenship and and made the Republic of Ireland national team and she was on this most recent trip with the Irish national team to Spain to play against China um so shout out to Marissa Shiva for sure you got, I'm saying you got to rep your set. Yeah, no, 100%. I love that. Uh, definitely players repping into Bissell, um, you know, women's women's Super League as well. Uh, yeah, talking about Katie McCabe, their goalkeeper, and Courtney Bronis yeah. you know, playing with Everton. Like, you can go through this roster and you could, you could see uh, a lot of Ireland's players and they're playing in top flight leagues, you know. So a lot of good individual pieces. I think it's just – about trying to see how they can get things together uh, in in the buildup uh, to the World Cup. So exciting news to sort of already have on the calendar and take note of uh, for April uh, for the United States Women's National Team. Again, that's going to be April 8th and April 11th. We're talking but just like a week, a couple weeks or so after the NWSL uh, season kicks yeah. off on March 25th. It's it's NWSL preseason still, but we're inching closer and closer and closer to the start of the regular season. Uh, Houston dropping their kit. We're, we're going to start seeing the kit fashion roll out a little bit. Uh, Houston dropping their Estrella kit. Uh, love the, you know, the iconic orange, loving the yeah. black shorts to go with it as well. So that's very cool. But another bit of NWSL news that we wanted to chat a little bit about before we finally turn the page on the FIFA international window here is the uh, sort of the reported kind of rumor out there right now about NWSL uh, entertaining you know, conversations about the possibility of a fall to spring schedule and how that could maybe benefit kind of uh, getting alongside the, the global calendar. I don't know. I mean, first reactions when you saw this, I'll, I'll be frank. When I saw it, I was kind of like, well, global warming is going to probably change yeah. that much quicker than we think. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I think, do this. like we don't live in a bubble. Um, that's why I wanted to talk about it. I threw in the rundown and we were kind of like, are we talking about this? Yeah, we're talking about this because yes. it's rumored. It's out there. The conversations are flying about if the NWSL should switch because right now, as we all know, it starts in March and it goes until late October, November um, playing throughout the summer, which is very unusual, right? In in all other sports, right? Even across the football landscape, but even you look at 
American sports also like there's no other sports that happen in the summer except like baseball. Um, that's about it. And I love baseball. I worked in baseball for years, but this is, it's just like a very different kind of energy that you're getting from this NWSL team and, and kind of what could happen with it. Um, and when you look at the FIFA international schedule and, and the European soccer schedule, they are on this fall to spring schedule. They play throughout the winter. And that's why so often um, when there are FIFA windows, it really messes up, I'm going to say so-and-so, the NWSL schedule with players leaving. Even you look at the World Cup, the World Cup happening in the middle of our NWSL season. And that's because we are the only league in the NWSL that plays like this um, fall, that plays like a spring to fall schedule. Now, Yes, if we lived in a bubble, I think it would make sense for the whole world to be on the same schedule. Um, it would change things a little bit with like loans and how trades work and everything like that. It would be a bit of a trickle-down effect. The FIFA international window, it would be all on the same page. But that doesn't work. You cannot play at Red Bull Arena in North Jersey where Gotham plays their home games. You can't play in Chicago. You can't play in Portland or Seattle in December and January and February. I'm sorry. It just doesn't work like that. Even I, look, I don't have much more to add. I'm just nodding my head like, yeah, I, I am in agreement with you. I mean, look, Texas gets ice storms now. Like yeah. That's a thing that happens. One of the things that that, um, that came out of She Believes Cup was uh, joy in the weather in, mm -hmm. in Frisco because just a year ago they were talking about how freezing it was. Um, that's like a thing that just happens. I now, mean, so. Lachmaninovsky even talked about that. He was like, last yeah. year at the She Believes Cup, we were shivering. And yeah. now we're in our shorts and t-shirts because they played a little farther south. But it just... It just doesn't make sense logistically because it's an outdoor sport. And even like you, we look at the women's super league, right? Over the last couple of months, they have had games that have been canceled and postponed due to a frozen pitch. Yeah. That's I, look, mul multiple games. I, I feel like when the, some of the episodes where we're, where we are, you know, finding ourselves recapping um, women's super league, part of that has been, talking about the games getting canceled or postponed or, or rescheduled. Um, so listen, I also sort of feel like a little bit of deja vu in this. I feel like this is not something that has been sort of thrown out there just to see what'll stick. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I feel like this isn't the first time that we've sort of, you know, heard that the league might want to entertain a shift in schedule, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, especially as the league continues to expand really. So <clears throat> You know, it's 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 just the geographic makeup of the United States is just different when you're talking about professional leagues in other countries. Like the yeah. the commute and travel within England for Women's Super League is far different than traveling across the United States. You know, uh, navigating and scheduling and traveling for the country of Spain is far different than yeah. navigating and scheduling uh, travel for the vast United States. It's just and, different. And I'm going to be honest, there are other factors that come into it. Like there is American football in the United States that makes a lot of money for yeah. networks, for stadiums, for cities, whatever it may be, whether it's college football or NFL I, I mean, even you look at like the scheduling for the NWSL final in years past, like, I mean, it was on CBS primetime last year, but it also didn't fall on a football Saturday. Like there are just so many different factors that come into it. And I think it, it would be naive of us not to consider that. Like right now, NFL makes way more money than the NWSL and money is a factor that comes into it. So of course you're going to play a, a, a league in a, in a season that there aren't as many other conflicts because that generates fans that generates people going to games. Actually. Um, you're also going to get a lot more people going to games if it's in North Jersey in August and July versus December, January, February. I'm with you. 
I, I look. It's it came it came up. We wanted to chat about it a little bit. We brought it to the episode. Um, I'm with you. It's something that we'll obviously have to keep an eye on as as the season continues, as the league continues to expand. Um, but I think there's a lot more. I'm not. I'm not even going to like nail it down to to pros and cons. I just think there's a lot more obstacles and challenges uh, in uh, trying to to find yourself um, as a growing league uh, to pivot. To, to that type of schedule. So we will see. Uh, but we want to chat about uh, results. We want to talk about results. We want to talk about finite things. So we're going to talk about things that are accompli- accomplished, done, dusted. That's a wrap. We got to chat about the Arnold Clark Cup. We got to chat about the Mexican Revelations Cup. We got to chat about Cup of Nations, Pinotar Cup, Tenor de France. Look, there's so many things that we got to talk about. So we got to hop to it. And we'll be back right after a quick break. So stick with us. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, let's chat all about the Arnold Clark Cup. England winning the Arnold Clark Cup for the second consecutive year in a row. It's second year in existence, undefeated. There's only one Arnold Clark champion, and it is the Lionesses. (laughs) Let's chat all about it. Arnold Clark is a car company, right? Uh, no, it is a used car company. Thank you for the clarification, yes. Sandra. That's why we have you here to double check anything that randomly comes out of my mouth. Look, I, I was thinking about it and I was just like, is there like a, an American like comparison that we can try to, you know, uh, give to our listeners and per- auto lenders, maybe like auto lender or like even maybe like CarMax, perhaps mm. like, you know. Um, or- Carvana, what's the ones that's like car elevators? Is that Carvana? Oh, is that Carvana? Oh, god, could you imagine the Carvana Cup? That's wild, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Arnold Clark Cup, England Linus is winning this one and uh, in <laughs> triumphant fashion, entering the final match day. Uh, Belgian, uh, really excited about that team when we were going through the preview of Arnold Clark Cup initially. We talked a little bit about the the four teams that were going to be involved in this tournament. Obvious that England were going to be the favorites in this one. We both agreed on that. We were looking for South Korea to maybe, uh, you know, come out here and and, and kind of be the X factor. Um, But kudos to Belgium for running this tournament and uh, really going out there and playing spoiler, essentially. And having a good tournament that led all the way up to a final match day scenario where it was kind of like a winner takes all kind of energy in this one. And uh, because of that, it's almost like England said, we are going to really put a stamp on it and put this one away. Six one, the scoreline in this final match against Belgium. I mean, England in the world right now, Lisa, what do you think? I am incredibly impressed with England right now. I I think that, yeah, dubbing them best team in the world right now might be – it's not too far of a stretch by any means. Just considering what this team has done, uh, the consistency that they've been on over the last year, even last six months, winning the Euros and then – this Arnold Clark Cup, they they didn't just win the Arnold Clark Cup. They dominated and destroyed. When you look at the score lines, right, opening day, it was 4-0 win for England over South Korea. Then they concede a goal in the second match day to Italy, but they still win 2-1. to one. Uh, They also conceded against Belgium and, and in the final match day. And holy cow, what a screamer of a goal. But yeah. they score six goals in this final match against Belgium, and they end up winning 6-1. to one. 12 goals in three games for this English side. Unbelievable. They get one shutout. They concede two goals. I think what Serena Wigman, the manager at the, with the Lionesses right now is doing is creating this culture of uh, undeniable confidence and, and like 
in a pressureless system and situation for this team, which is allowing them to succeed as much as they are. I mean, you look at, they've got a lot of young players coming into this roster as well. They're dealing with injury. They've had to rotate some players in. And you've got Alarn James, who's earning her eighth cap in the start against Belgium in this final. Heck yeah, Lauren James. I want to watch this player play week in and week out. Good thing you can. But it is it is so, so fun to watch this England team right now. I love the shot there. Listen, uh, you could catch Women's Super League games on CBS Sports platforms, whether it's CBS Sports Network or the Women's Super League. So make sure you tune in and check out the, the schedule. Uh, what, Lauren James, one of the players that we were really excited about leading into this World Cup Um I think in the preview, I, I labeled her as England's most like exciting player right now. And you can sort of see that reflected in some of these games. I felt like the energy coming out of these stadiums, like every time Lauren James was on the ball, took a touch or took a shot, like you could just like feel the enthusiasm from the crowd around this player. Um, and it's just so wild to to sort of just think that she's only got, you know, X amount of caps uh, you know, in her career for right now. Thank you, eight. Uh, but great to see her kind of having this resurgence, resurgence kind of post, you know, injury. She's had to, to navigate some things through her career. And it's also great to see that transition, right, from from club uh, play to, to international stage to to see that there's no real lapse in that. And she's like her. 21 years old. She is 21 years old, incredibly young. Yeah, I mean, England really going on a tear. And, and we talked about this with Ireland a little bit. The year that these nations had in 2022, I think, really started to be the buildup, right? Because at the start of 2022, every nation knew, okay, we've got the World Cup in one year. What are we going to do? Um, England went undefeated throughout 2022 in their competition, right? They, they beat the United States two to one. Everyone that's a U.S. fan remembers that game very, very well in London. But this is a team that's now continued to be undefeated uh, since their World Cup qualifying in April of last year. Um, this is a team that's going on run after run. They're also putting up incredible score lines, right? We talked about the 12 goals that they just had in this Arnold Clark Cup. But when you look back at their 2022, they had a couple 10-0 score lines. Yeah, one against uh, North Macedonia, one against Luxembourg. But yeah. I, I don't think like the Americans have done that too, but I think it's the way that England is doing it, right? They've got a lot of balanced scoring. They've got really impressive mindset. They've got this gritty blue collar work rate about this English side that is kind of like, we've got a chip on our shoulder to prove the world wrong, um, that we are the best in the world. And, And honestly, watching this Arnold Clark cup, I was like pretty jazzed, a little nervous for the world cup. I mean, they're playing with swag right now. Man. Totally. And that's, that's, that's really, I mean, that's really, it's so cool to see, honestly, because this is an England program that has had talent on it for numerous cycles at this point. And you could just sort of, it's a really good example of what having the right coach at the right time yeah. can do for a program. Yeah. And uh, watching these players thrive under Serena Wigman and really respond to her rotations Mm -hmm. as well, I think is really, really cool. Sometimes when you try to mix things up, it could, you know, ruffle feathers in the locker room. But I I think it's important. They're all brought in. They're all brought brought in. in And it's important to know within each of these uh, each of these games that it's great that you mentioned balanced goal scoring because the the amount the the different goal scorers in each of these games, I think is also what stands out to me. You know, even if it's that first game against South Korea, whether you know, Stanway, Kelly, Russo, James, all like four different goal scorers for each of the four goals mm-hmm. against that opening match in, in South Korea, Rachel Daly, you know, the lone goal scorer against Italy in the two, one scoreline there. And then you've got this massive scoreline, Six one against against Belgium, where it's you know it's Williamson with a couple of goals. Kelly gets on the board with a couple of goals again. They force an own goal, and Lucy Bronze joins the party as well. So it's like that is also just so so 
strong so when you're strong. looking at this England team moving forward. It's it's like, yes, it's, are, are you? can you look at some of the top teams right now and pluck out certain storylines? Yes, you can. One of those with the United States is the fact that Mallory Swanson is on this incredible goal scoring pair right now, right? Mallory Swanson, one of one. And then you're looking at this tournament in Arnold Clark Cup and you're looking at everybody joining the goal scoring party. It's it's impressive. It is so impressive. I mean, yeah, the balance scoring for sure. But also when you if you go back and watch plug for attacking third usually right now, because we have all the Arnold Clark Cup highlights, watch those highlights of England versus Belgium, because, yes, there were six gold scorers. Yes, there was a lot of different goal scorers, actually, in that game for England. But the the quality of the goals and the variety of how the goals were scored were very impressive. Crosses coming in from the box and they even forced an own goal for Belgium and and heading into the halftime it was 2-0 for England going up and they end up getting four more in the second half one of those being forced an own goal and they also give up a goal um but a, a really well-deserved goal to give up like kudos to Belgium for knocking that yeah. screamer down um I also think it's important to give a shout out to the Belgian goalkeeper Nikki Evard who was in this match because this player played <laughs> lights out That's holy Holy cow, six saves for Nikki during this game. As she, by like the 40th minute, the 50th minute, she was like covered in grass stains. Her jersey was completely destroyed with how much effort she was putting out, how many acrobatic saves she was being forced to make that England was forcing her to make. I I think it was really impressive to watch that side of it too. I mean, for her to, uh, yeah, you let up six goals and that's not great, especially one of them being an own goal, but it very easily could have been like eight or nine. It's hard. It's it's hard. It's tough to think about, really. The scoreline's already as lopsided as it is. And then to sort of imagine that it could actually have been seven or, or eight or nine mm-hmm. at, at some point. Um, but England, honestly, this was just a reminder, I think, of, of who they are and what they can be yeah. uh, in, in the World Cup. The other for the other teams, I think a great showing for for Belgium. I would like to sort of see where they go next with this. I think they've got great young pieces and good talent, um, but they are not World Cup bound. So it's going to mm-hmm. be interesting to see how they continue to navigate not just the remaining international windows this year, but really this this next duration of, of the cycle moving forward. Uh, they have to make sure that they don't lose pace, right, with what they've exactly. kind of, uh, started to, to build with this team. Italy and South Korea, two teams that are going to the World Cup. South Korea struggled in, in, in this match. Maybe a, a big part of it was to do the fact that there's a lot of players um, in preseason form. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think they're going to take a lot away from this and try to wrap things up a little bit differently in those April windows. Um, See how they perform uh, after they get a little bit more uh, soccer under their legs. Um, I mean, for Italy, this, yeah, it's a team going to the World Cup. It's, it's, they're playing Colombia in this April friendly. But when you look at the group that Italy is in for the World Cup, oof, Argentina, Sweden, South Africa. Um, that's rough. They start off playing Argentina on the 24th and then July 29th, they play Sweden. That's just, yeah, it's, it's going to be tough. <laughs> it's going to be an uphill battle for Italy in the world cup. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but uh, it was, it was great. It was great to have the Arnold Clark Cup <laughs> make its return and visit. Uh, we'll see them again and, and sure England will, uh, you know, be favorites once more. Congratulations to the Lionesses for reminding everyone who, who they are. We'll uh, keep an eye on their April window as well. They uh, are going to, I think, face off against, I don't remember at this moment. I'm so sorry. Uh, I know a lot of teams right now are announcing their April windows. I know we talked about United States and Ireland, and then we chatted a little bit about Australia, uh, and then we chatted a little bit about France and Canada. England uh, is going to play against Brazil and Australia. Yikes. Yikerton. Australia, one game, and then Brazil, one game. Yeah, yeah. you'll love to see it. Um, Yikes. <laughs> I'm curious as to what that scoreline is going to look like. If they're ending off Arnold Clark Cup, 6-1 against Belgium. I'm a little curious of what that's going to look like or could look like against uh, an Australian side. And we'll talk a little bit about why, because there are more tournaments that we have to recap for you all. So stick around. We'll be back after a quick break. 
Okay, let's let's touch a little bit on some of the other kind of round robin style tournaments that took place during uh, February's Wild Window. Uh, let's start with the, with the co-hosts. Let's talk a little bit about Australia and how they fared in the Cup of Nations. Newsflash: They won. They went up against. They hosted a uh, a tournament uh, in Australia against Spain. They invited uh, Jamaica as well, and so we're looking at some of the the fixtures between all th- all four excuse me of these teams ahead of the World Cup it's a little bit of a maybe a little bit of a trial run right because for Australia they're going to be the host in this one and i think with that comes a certain amount of of pressure you know yeah. as as the co-host you want to perform well uh, you know with for for your country but i think for this window of players right in Australia, it almost sort of feels like maybe this could be the moment um, that this is the window of time where they really want to try and make a run um, because there have been there have been previous occasions where uh, this Matilda's side has um, found themselves participating in international competition and have ended on a disappointed note, um, whether it's been exiting group stages or exiting early first um, editions of the knockout rounds. So they get a chance to take a look at Spain and Jamaica, who are two other teams that are going to the World Cup, and they get a look at uh, Czech Republic, uh, pretty difficult and stubborn yeah. European side to play against for sure, uh, but opened up this tournament uh, with a 4-0 win against Czech Republic and then defeated Spain. 3-2 on their second match day and wrapped up this tournament um, with a 3-0 win against Jamaica. So I think, look, the one that stands out, I think if you're looking at all these, probably that 3-2 game against yeah. Spain. Um, I, we're talking a little bit about England and how you have uh, different goal scorers sort of stepping up and uh, making a point. And it looked like for Australia, it was a little, it mirrored a, a little bit of similarity there. Uh, from game to game, you had different goal scorers. In, in yeah. so. No, it's definitely a positive for Australia coming out of this. Uh, I mean, this was a big tournament for them to be able to host this. It was the second time that the Cup of Nations was happening with a, a couple years gap in between. Um, and yeah, I think there is a lot of pressure on Australia that, their country's putting on them, maybe that the world is even putting on them, um, and probably that they're putting on themselves a little bit. And they have to try to balance that. I think they've done a nice job preparing themselves for this World Cup with all the different international friendlies that they've been able to host. Um, and I think that the country in itself, right, is doing a good job of that. I mean, yeah, we have to look at that 3-2 win over Spain because this is an Australian team that in the first day won for nothing over Czech Republic, a stubborn Czech Republic team, as you mentioned. And and that was a dominant win. That was a great win. Three goal scorers on four goals, um, pretty spread out as well. They started really fast against Spain in the second match day. It was quick. They were on the front foot. They put Spain on their heels to start this game. And before you know it, heading into the halftime, Australia is up 3 nothing over this Spanish side. And this is what worries me about this Australian side. That's what worries me. They went up 3 nothing against Spain after a really consistent first game against Czech Republic. And then they conceded two goals to Spain. Spain was climbing back into it. Spain did not give up. They wanted to fight. They wanted to win this game. And Australia um, let their guard down a little bit. They Spain comes back in the 73rd minute. And then in the end of the game, stoppage time, end up scoring the second goal. But that's a little too close for comfort for me. I mean, scoreline says a lot about games, but I, I think you have to really watch it and see how the game unfolds to understand the flow of it and how it happened. And I was worried for Australia during this game. Look, I think with this match in particular, you've got two fairly high ranked teams going head to head, both headed to the world cup as well. And the timing in which these goals came, I think is important as you noted, because they were later in the second half, whether it was Carmona's goal in the 73rd minute or a 94th stoppage time minute goal. Um, that's, that could come back and haunt you in a world cup, you know? So 
they got out of it. That's that's how you lose games in the World Cup. If you're not willing to defend until the very last second. I mean, we can even relate this to the Americans game that they just played United States in the She Believes Cup against Brazil. The final minutes, Brazil is doing everything they can to get on board and get a goal. And the United States is in a low block. They're defending. They're getting everything out. They've dropped Taylor Korniak between the center backs, the tallest field player, just so anything that comes in over the top off a set piece off a corner kick, Korniak can head it out and get on the end of it. It's that, and that's the little bite that Australia didn't have at the end of that Spain game. That and it's, I think it's, it's frustrating too, as like, again, I'm talking about this, this sort of this current roster of players. These are all players who've played together for quite yeah. some time. I mean, Sam Kerr representing her nation since she was like a teenager, you know, and it's just kind of like this sort of has been a part of the team's, reputation i guess for for lack of a better word this this sort of um these defensive breakdowns that you see from time to time from the matildas um kind of coming to light and often coming to light in this manner um later in games or against other top uh, oppositions so um they end up the winners though i think they were the only team in this in this competition to to have all uh three wins um and you know, collect all of the nine points. Uh, and it was, you know what, listen, I think it was just cool to just even have the tournament, the tournament of nations back, right? One of those tournaments, when we were previewing this window, we talked about how this tournament was making its return, that we saw this window of, of, of kind of tournament be affected by, by the ongoing pandemic. Right at its peak, they did put a pause on it and there was, there was no tournament of nations for a couple of years. I mean, it made its return. I think in like, for, they said that that was one of the things that it was, that they was making yeah. a return in four years, you know? So um, the fact that they, they cranked this back up again, I think is a big win in general for the Federation. Uh, the fact that they cranked this back up and hosted it and they're on their way to, to being co-hosts of the world cup, I thought was, was very important. And I think every, every window and every minute, within these matches is going to count, especially for these World Cup bound teams. Um, yeah. And and we just talked about it with uh, jumping off of the Arnold Clark Cup in England and looking ahead to this April window ahead. Australia is going to play against England in England. And I think that'll be um, an interesting test, an interesting test for both sides, because uh, let's let's no, no listen. Listen, Australia is going to have to defend all goal scoring. No defense. Yeah. I mean, give it you to neither me. I want to see the five, four score line. Give it to me. England. That's what it'll be. I, honestly, it could even be more than five, four. The way that the clip that England's scoring right now and the, the lack of defensive integrity that Australia has right now, it could be wide open and you get Sam Kerr on a run for Australia. Bam, bam, bam. Before you know it, it's six, four. Absolutely. Uh, shout out to the Pinatar cup. Iceland coming out the winners in that one uh, with Wales, Scotland, and Philippines. Unfortunately, Philippines, the debutants, uh, one of the eight debutants who will go to the World Cup, uh, exiting this uh, round-robin tournament without a win. Uh, Iceland claiming the Pinatar Cup in that one. Tenor de France going to France. Uh, Maybe a little bit of a shocker there. There were some narrow score lines in in this one against uh, Denmark. Uh, Uruguay was also uh, participating yeah. um, in in this tournament with, with France uh, along with Norway. Um, but uh, France just sort of edging things out in, in the group there uh, with seven points and walking away the winners for uh, Sonor de France. But we also wanted to chat a little bit about the Revelations Cup because that was one of the tournaments that we had previewed. Uh, coming up uh, in this February window, and it was very unique because it was it was the first edition. Uh, the Revelations Cup is typically um, a U twenty tournament for the men, and the Mexican Federation introduced uh, the the concept of having one specifically for their senior women's national team. So this was the first ever Revelations Cup for the senior women's national team. They played the host. It was it took place in Leon, Guanajuato. Shout out to the motherland. Um, and they went ahead and they invited uh, Nigeria, Colombia, and Costa Rica in this one. And when we were previewing this, Lisa, we were kind of excited about it because this was one of those, this was going to be one of those round robin tournaments that had multiple World Cup bound teams. So while we were really hyped on She Believes Cup because every single team, all four of them, were World Cup qualified. There were a couple other 
tournaments that might have only had two or three. And the Mexican Revelations Cup was one of those tournaments that had uh, three nations headed to the World Cup. Mexico, not one of them, though. So going through this this tournament, we've made a little preview and we were looking at the teams involved. And, you know, we both thought that um, Colombia was maybe going to be most primed to to given upset in in this in this tournament and similar to uh she believes cup or honor clark cup or even uh, uh excuse me cup of nations for australia uh, this was another tournament that came down to a final match day yeah uh, mexico and colombia had to kind of battle it out and see who was going to lift the first ever revelations cup so another tournament with some narrow score lines uh Mexico defeating Nigeria in their opening game. Mexico going on to a 1-1 draw against the CONCACAF rivals in Costa Rica. And then this final match day, also getting another draw against Colombia. And it ended up being uh, tiebreakers had to come into play yep. for, for this one. So uh, goal differential and ultimately the fair play uh, came into consideration when naming the winner of this tournament. Uh, it ended up being that Mexico actually had fewer yellow cards in the final standings, uh, even though Colombia and Mexico ended with the same amount of points. So they both had the same plus one goal differential. They had to go to fair play. And uh, turns out, Fouling less and earning less yellow cards uh, means the difference. In Talk looking, about a tiebreaker. A trophy, but um, yeah, at least it didn't come down to a coin flip because I just hate that. <laughs> I mean, talk about narrow score lines. You mentioned that in the Pintar Cup, but this one, all one goal games, if not draws for this Revelations Cup. I think the competition really, really tight. Talk about defending, right? Like mm-hmm. we go from one side of the coin to the other with England, Australia. And now you're looking at these nations, Mexico, Costa Rica, Colombia, Nigeria. They're putting their bodies on the line every single play uh, to keep the ball out of the back of the net for their opponents. It, it was fun to watch. Um, I was a little disappointed in Colombia throughout this uh, as well. I mean, I know that you're, of course, partial to Mexico, I just really think going into this one, Colombia was going to give a little bit more. A 1-1 draw against Costa Rica. They end up winning 1-0 over Nigeria, and then they draw with Mexico on the final match day, 1-1. Just, I I don't know, a little intriguing. Listen, I'm I'm with you. I had them picked as well. I said, you know, I think Colombia is going to come in here and and maybe, you know, Mm -hmm. disrupt some things and and, and walk away with it. And uh, watching uh, this sort of tightly contested battle, uh, but between the two teams, uh, really, and it really was, it was just like really kind of, um, it's uncomfortable at times, you know, just because of how yeah. close it was. I mean, you had two goals come in the first half and then it just was almost like there were stretches where neither team wanted to make that mistake or really go after it. So it was just kind of like, well, this is how it's going to end. And, and yeah, that is actually how it, ended. it came down to, to yellow cards. Um, just just because of the split points between these two teams. But um, Nigeria, Costa Rica, Colombia, each getting looks against each other as well in their preparations for the World Cup. Um, Just like everyone else, they've got minor windows remaining um, to to have precious time together in the buildup to the World Cup. And, yeah, you know, yeah, I am partial to to, to Mexico. You know, I've I've been... I've been waiting for Mexico to get back into the World Cup since 2015. And, yeah. and um, you know, you and I covered that epic summer of soccer and you saw it firsthand. You know, I was I was gutted. I was devastated. I was sad, man. I, yeah. You know, Mexico weren't able to do the thing um, for like a second consecutive uh, qualifier. Yeah, and- I, I think it's it's shocking and. Sad. I mean, sad. I'm going to be honest. It's sad. I, I feel for Mexico. I feel for you. Um, I would have loved to see Mexico in this World Cup. And to think that now there are six CONCACAF nations playing in the World Cup and the fact that Mexico is not one of them is uh, you couldn't have guessed that a year ago. It's so it's so like interesting. It was so interesting sort of watching the, the Revelations Cup all adjacent to like everything else that was happening. I mean, we saw Haiti and Panama clinch spots in the World Cup. They made it not four, not five, but six CONCACAF nations that are going to be represented. 
in Australia and New Zealand. And that's sort of where I'm putting my joy right now. Like I I'm so in for CONCACAF in this 2023 world cup. Uh, and then there's that other side of me that's like, yeah. And that, that meant that Mexico <laughs> was what it cost. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like, so um, it can be discouraging, but I think similar to Belgium and watching how they navigated the Arnold Clark cup, I don't want the Federation to continue to lose the momentum uh, and uh, ignore the strides that this team has made. Um, you know, part, part of them, part of the Mexican women's national team trying to make a return to a World Cup has been an ongoing process through two cycles. That's included the launch of a women's domestic professional league that has included the return of of players to Mexico. We're talking about players who represented Mexico in 2015 and are now back and playing in Liga MX Femenil um, in an effort to crack uh, through to the women's national team once more and then possibly go to another World Cup, whether it's somebody like a Steph Mayor or a Bianca Sierra. I mean, Charlene Corral is, is back and playing with with uh, Pachuca. So I just am like, there's, there's just so many different moving parts for Mexico in their eventual journey back to a world cup. And apparently a big part of that story is going to be competing against world cup bound teams yeah, and them staying at home and watching that. And, and, and so I think it was important. They stayed at home for this friendly. I really do because um, as you said, they need to, I, I don't want anyone to lose faith in them. Like I don't want their federation to, not allocate enough funds anymore, right? Like this is it's such a conversation right now of allocating the funds for these national yeah. teams. And this is a side that is is doing a lot, right? You you talked about Liga MX Femenil and, and the growth of that league and how much, believe me, it will not be long before Mexico is back in the World Cup, back on top of things. I think the fact that this tournament, you know, that they created, that they included them, yeah. that it even exists, is a huge turning point and a huge signal to that they want to continue, um, you know, the development of the program. So I think them going out there and ending out this inaugural uh, event with a win as title holders, I think is also equally important. So felicidades and congrats to Mexico for, for lifting the inaugural Revelations Cup. Uh, we will hopefully continue to get to see their journey along the way through this cycle and how that looks. But uh, an exciting time during this February window. Um, it might have answered a lot of questions for folks out there around a lot of different national teams. Yeah. Um, and we will see what happens in April, because just like the United States, for many teams, it might be the last window of games before we start to see these official FIFA World Cup rosters dropped. We'll keep an eye on that as they come through. That's all we've got for today, though. We hardly knew you, February Wild Window. We can't wait to see you once again. Thank you all so much for wait, listening. Before we go, we, we have to tease something, Sandra. We oh have a goodness. special announcement coming, a special surprise. What do we call it? I don't know, but I'm excited for it. So stay tuned, everyone. We want everyone to make sure that in the next few days, it's really just like days away. Days. Days away. We wouldn't tease something and make it like, months away no we're talking days here yeah so just stay tuned uh next time we go live we may or may not have a different look and we'll just say it like that we'll just leave it like that okay we'll let you marinate on that we'll let it sizzle for you and make sure you are (laughs) subscribed to our channel so that you don't miss it yeah. So that you don't miss it because listen, we appreciate you all as always for joining us along on our live shows. Um, make sure that you download, follow, listen to us anywhere you get your podcast. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube, youtube.com slash attacking third, so that you don't miss out on all the action and all the content that we provide on A3. Uh, we'll be back. Stay tuned. For Sandra and Lisa Roman, this was Attacking Third.